first through fifth graders, if you would just lay a hand on them. And we are going to pray for them, um, that the Lord would minister to their hearts this morning and speak the gospel to them and change and transform their hearts and their lives. And we want to pray the same thing for us as well, that God would do that work in each one of us this morning as we hear his word. So let's um, let's pray for our kids and let's pray for each other as we hear the word this morning. Father, what a what a blessing our kids are to us. We thank you so much for allowing us to steward their hearts, um, to love them and to point them to you. And God, that's our that's our prayer for each one of them this morning, that they would behold your glory and your beauty and the beauty of your gospel, that you became man and suffered in their place that they might have everlasting life. I pray that that they would have eyes to see and ears to hear and, and hearts to embrace this morning, that glorious truth, God. And I pray for each one of us as well this morning that that you would that you would open our eyes and open our hearts to receive your word and to be forever changed by it. And God, we have we have no power, no ability to change and transform our own hearts. And so we look to you and we rely fully on you and we expectantly await that work that you will accomplish this morning. We give you all glory and honor and praise, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, kids, you can go with Mr. Jason in the back there. Uh, The rest of you, if you would grab your Bibles and stand with me, we are going to once again uh, read Psalm 96, uh, the whole psalm for you this morning. So Psalm 96, this is what it says. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared Above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar in all that fills it. Let the field exult in everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest Sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Thus says God's word. You may be seated. Last week, we finished our series on the Ten Commandments, if you remember. And very soon, we'll be starting a new series 
Um, but I wanted to take advantage of this week that we have in between. And I want to talk to you about something this morning um, that is really important to me and that's really important to us at a church, as, as a church here at Northridge. Um, and we're going to look and talk about congregational singing this morning, as, as Katie mentioned. I'm glad at least one of you is excited, um, so I'm not the only one. Um, but singing together as the church, as the body of Christ. Um, that's not something that preachers tend to talk about a whole lot, but I think it's really important. And I think that oftentimes as churches, we're missing out on some of the joy and some of the purpose that goes along with singing together. Now, it's common practice um, throughout all different types of churches to sing together, right? And so a lot of us have grown up in very different church backgrounds. And the type of singing or the way we sing might be really different. You might have gone to a church that, that just sings a cappella or maybe a church that does more traditional organ-type music, or maybe a church with more of a contemporary band like we use here, or maybe something completely different. But most of us, if we've spent time in church, um, we've, we've sung together in those services in one way or another. It's, it's nothing new. We've done it for a long time. But the question is, why do we sing together? What's the purpose of coming together and singing? What is, what is our aim? What is, what is our goal? What are we seeking to accomplish through our singing? Now, answering the question why we sing, that's, that's pretty simple, right? We sing together because God commands us and tells us to sing together. He tells us both in the Old Testament and the New Testament that we are to sing to the Lord. We read it just earlier, Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord all the earth. That's not a suggestion. That's something that God is commanding us and telling us to do. And whether you are musically inclined or not, whether you love to sing or not, we are commanded to sing together to the Lord. I was visiting another church years and years ago. And um, there was a guy, young man, who sat on the very front row. And this young man is the loudest person I've ever heard sing in church. I mean, hands down, there's, there's no competition. This guy was just absolutely belting it out. And he was, he was, you know, he's sitting about where Rochelle's sitting, at the, the very, very front. And this is a really small church, smaller than this church, in a, in a small room. And I could literally hear this guy louder than the person who was leading worship. And on top of that, he was one of the worst singers I've ever heard. Um, but I've, I've got to tell you um, that, that I loved every second of it. This young man had such an incredible joy to be with his family, to be with his church family, and to be able to sing and worship the Lord together with the body of Christ. And he couldn't help himself. He couldn't help it. It just, it just came pouring out. Even though he wasn't a great singer, he just had so much joy 
singing to the Lord with the body of Christ. And it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. So whether you're a great singer or not, we are, we are told, we are commanded to sing to the Lord. But again, what's the purpose? What do we accomplish in our singing? That's what I want to think about and talk about this morning. And I'm willing to bet that a lot of you here probably are thinking, well, the answer to that is completely obvious, right? We sing to worship God. We sing as an expression of our worship to the Lord, right? And you're absolutely right. But I want to suggest to you this morning, based on the scriptures, that our singing together involves a whole lot more than just that. And I want, to, I want to give you three primary purposes this morning of why we sing and what our singing together accomplishes. Number one, we sing to the Lord. We sing to God to express adoration, to express worship, to honor Him, to give Him the praise that He's due. Right? Psalm 96 says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Right? God, above anyone else, is due honor and glory, and we are to give it to him. But secondly, we are singing to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ in order to edify and build up the church by proclaiming the gospel to each other. That's the second thing. And third, finally, we're singing to non-believers, to those among us that don't know Jesus, that they might see the love and the unity of the body of Christ and behold the beauty of Christ and his gospel. So I want to look at each one of those three purposes and just briefly uh, spend a little bit of time on each one. Sing to the Lord, Psalm 96 tells us three different times. Sing to the Lord. And then four, verse 4 through 6, the psalmist tells us why we are to sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord for he is great. And he is greatly to be praised. We naturally as human beings praise and glorify the things that are beautiful to us. Have you ever noticed that? We naturally praise and glorify the things that that are beautiful and glorious to us. I praise my wife, not because I have to, not because I'm obligated to, not because I'm just trying to build up, you know, a few husband points. Although if you want to give me some, I'll take them, right? We'll always take them if we can get them. But I praise her because she's beautiful. She's beautiful to look at, obviously. You can see that unless you're blind. But, but her heart, her soul, her mind, every, every part of her is, is beautiful. And so my praising her is the natural outflow of me seeing and beholding and appreciating and enjoying her beauty, right? Uh, last year, our family took a trip to the Grand Canyon with Caleb and Amari. How many of you have ever been and seen the Grand Canyon? I'm guessing some of you. Um... We went there last year, and uh, I, I, can't, I can't describe what that first view of the canyon was like. Right, You pull into this parking lot, and it's, a, it's just a big parking lot. 
And then you kind of walk down these, these little paths and there's, there's trees and bushes all around. And all of a sudden you come out and boom, it's just right there in front of you. And you're, you're seeing just this massive, huge, beautiful canyon right in front of you. It's almost, it's almost hard to believe what you're seeing. And that, that first view, it was so breathtaking. It was so awe-inspiring, right? I, I mean, I'd, I'd seen the pictures a hundred times. I've seen it in film. Um, but all the pictures in the world could never even come close to doing it justice. And you walk out, and it's there in front of you, and it's just, it, literally, it's, it's breathtaking. It was so glorious. It was so awesome to see and to behold. And so then, of course, you get home, and everyone says, well, how was it, you know? What was it like? And, and, and what can I say? I, I, I praised it. I talked about how awesome it was, how beautiful it was. I couldn't help but saying anything else about it. It was so magnificent and glorious and awe-inspiring. And church, if praise and adoration are not our heart's response towards the Lord, then maybe we haven't truly ever beheld His glory in his beauty. Or maybe we've seen it but but maybe we've maybe we've forgotten, right? Maybe the cares of of this world, maybe the cares of life have just beaten us down. Maybe the sin that we struggle with is just is just beaten us down and and we've lost sight of, we've come dis, become distracted. We've we've forgotten how glorious and great and beautiful and wonderful our God is. We sing to the Lord because He's great, because there's no one like Him, because, because all the idols of the earth are useless, the psalmist says, but our God, our God made the heavens, made everything. We praise God because He's great and beautiful and majestic and powerful and glorious and above all gods. And, and that church is usually where we stop when we talk about singing, when we think about praise, worship. And so what we end up doing is is we turn this time of praise and worship kind of into my own little personal time with God, right? So this is time just for me and Jesus. And I want to tune everyone else out and I want to tune everything else out. And I'm just going to enjoy my time with God, with the Lord. And that's, that's what singing and worship and praise is about. And when we do this, it's so easy then for, for our worship to become self-centered. And it becomes about my experience. And it becomes about, well, was that good for me? And, you know, did they sing the songs that I like? And are, are, they, are they singing, you know, with instruments or in a style that's, you know, meaningful to me or that I enjoy? And it becomes just a whole lot about me. I was talking to a friend um, years and years ago, and he was telling me about uh, visiting a mega church on the East Coast. Um, and he was, he was telling me about the worship experience there. And so, you know, he goes into this church and there's, I mean, there's thousands upon thousands of people there and it's this whole big, awesome production and, and, you know, so you go in and and the lights go out and it's just this awesome 
spectacle to behold. And he said, he said, they crank the music up so loud that you literally cannot hear the person next to you singing. And he just kept talking about how this was such an awesome worship experience. And and here's the thing. He was telling me this, and I've thought about that a lot in, in the past years. And, and to me, it raises a lot of questions, but especially this question, that if, if worship and singing is just about me and God, and let's tune everything else out, then why do we bother coming to church? Have you ever wondered that? Why do we bother coming to church? And what I want you to see in the scriptures this morning is that, When we sing, when we worship, when we praise together, we're singing to the Lord, obviously, of course. Scripture makes that abundantly clear. But we're also singing to each other. We're singing to each other. When we sing, we're not only singing to the Lord, but we're also singing to our brothers and sisters in Christ. The church sings to God, but the church must also sing to each other. Verse 2, Psalm 96 says, Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. So we are, we are to tell of the Lord's salvation or of his gospel. We're to tell of the gospel from day to day. But who are we telling? Are we telling God? Did God forget about his salvation? Does God forget about the gospel? No. But who needs to be reminded of the gospel? I do. We do. Right? We need to be constantly reminded of the gospel. Listen to this. Listen to this verse in Colossians chapter 3. This is Colossians 3.16. Listen to what the Apostle Paul has to say. He says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, the word of Christ means the words about Christ, written about Christ, and the words that Christ spoke himself. Or in other words, it's talking about the gospel. So Paul is saying, let the gospel dwell in you richly, As you teach and admonish one another. Another word for teaching and admonishing is discipling, discipleship. And so what Paul is saying is let the gospel dwell in you richly as you disciple one another. Did you know that discipleship is not just the job of the pastor? Did you know that it is the job of every member of the body of Christ? That's a good question to ask yourself occasionally. How am I doing in discipling my brothers and sisters in Christ? So we are to disciple each other as the gospel dwells in us richly. But how do we do that? Well, one of the ways Paul tells us right here in Colossians... One of the ways we do that is through our singing together, right? He says, teach and admonishing one another, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. One of the ways that we disciple each other in the gospel is through our 
singing together. And we sing the gospel to each other because we need to be reminded of the gospel every chance we get. Every chance. Uh, Last week, if you were here, uh, hopefully you remember, we talked about coveting, right? You shall not covet. And we talked about how the command not to covet is, is a command for us as believers to be content, right? You shall be content. And we talked about how the only way we can truly be content is by finding all of our satisfaction in Christ, right? That's the only place where true contentment comes from. And we sang that song. We sang it again this morning. Hallelujah. All I have is Christ. No matter what we're going through, if we have Christ, we have everything, right? So if you're like me, which I'm guessing some of you are, maybe all of you, if you're like me, you're like, yes, that's a good word, and I needed to hear that, and I'm going to take that word, and I'm going to remember it, and it's going to affect the way that I live, and it's going to lift me up all week, and I'm going to live in a way that honors the Lord, and I'm going to remember to be content because I have Christ and I have everything. And then we wake up Monday morning, and we're just, maybe the day doesn't go the way you thought it would or hoped it would. And, and you become irritable, and you become anxious, and all of a sudden... We've forgotten, right? We are a forgetful people, if you haven't noticed that. We forget. We forget how big God is. We forget how big and how great His promises are. We forget the transforming power of the gospel. And we need to be reminded over and over and over. And there's, there's something about singing that takes the truth of God and cements it in our hearts and in our minds. And so we sing the gospel to each other together as a way to help remind ourselves of how big and how great and how glorious our God is. And that's the reason, church, why we will always be picky about the songs that we sing in here. There are, there are a lot of catchy songs on the radio. But listen, a catchy song, a catchy melody does not have the power to save and transform you. Only the gospel can do that. And so we want to be a church that sings together, but that always sings the gospel to each other. I want to I illustrate for you what I'm talking about here. I heard this song on the radio about three days ago. And again, it's one of those catchy radio songs um, that's been kind of in my head the rest of the week now. Um, and, uh, but I'm listening to the lyrics. I'm listening to what it's saying. And it, it just sounds like kind of a whole lot of nothing to me. Let me, let me, let me tell you what I mean. Let me read the lyrics for you. And, and I'm not trying to pick on a specific songwriter or group or singer. Please don't let that be the takeaway. Um, but listen to these lyrics. It says, There is a river where goodness flows. There is a fountain that drowns sorrows. There is an ocean deeper than fear. The tide is rising, rising. There is a current stirring deep inside. It's overflowing from the heart of God. The flood of heaven crashing over us. The tide is rising, 
rising, bursting, bursting up from the ground. We feel it now, bursting, bursting up from the ground. We feel it now. We come alive in the river, and then it repeats that over and over. We come alive in the river, we come alive in the river. Now, I want to point out that the song doesn't say anything inherently wrong. Um, There's nothing in there that's heretical, right? Um, But I I, I listen to those lyrics, and and first of all, I'm not really sure exactly what it means or what they're saying. And I I could make some inferences, um, but... I don't really know what they're getting at, and there's not really in anything in there that, that helps me understand God and the gospel better. And it, it, just, it just sounds a little bit like a bunch of nothing to me, and, and it doesn't help me because it's not the gospel. But, but do you know what helps me, church? What helps me is to sing, my sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. That that helps me to sing. But as I ran my hell-bound race, indifferent to the cost, you looked upon my helpless state and led me to the cross. And I beheld God's love displayed. You suffered in my place. You bore the wrath reserved for me. Now all I know is grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All I have is Christ. Jesus is my life. That, that helps me. To sing what riches of kindness he lavished on us. His blood was the payment. His life was the cost. We stood neath a debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Guys, that's, that's what I need to hear. That's what I need to hear day after day, moment after moment because the gospel is the power of god unto salvation for all who believe so we sing in adoration to the lord we sing the gospel to each other to edify and build up the church and we also sing as a witness to those around us who don't know christ psalm 96 verse 3 says declare his glory among the nations his marvelous works among all the peoples say among the nations the lord reigns he will judge the peoples with equity verse 10 when the psalmist is referencing the nations he's talking about the gentile nations those who don't know yahweh those who don't know the lord and and church the essence of the christian life is to declare the glory of god Among the nations. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're commissioned to do. To declare the good news of the gospel. The good news that Jesus reigns. And we declare that with our lives as a whole. We declare that by the way that we live. And the way that we love. And the way that we dwell together in unity and love as the body of Christ. It should demonstrate the glory of God and the glory of his gospel. And that includes our singing, that includes our praise, that includes our worship, joining together in loving unity. Singing the truths of the gospel acts as a powerful witness to those outside of Christ, those who don't have hope, those who don't have joy, those who don't have life. Right? I mean... 
You turn on the news this morning, there have been two mass shootings in the last 24 hours. People dead, just senseless acts of violence. And you think, well, you know, we need more of this. We need this legislation or we need this new leader or this new that. And and listen, I'm not saying we don't need any of that stuff, but what we need is hope. What the world needs is hope. And we have hope. And we have hope to give to a world that's dying and that's desperate for it. And when we come together, when we, when we sing together, when we declare the gospel together, we have this awesome opportunity to express and to proclaim the hope and the joy and the life that we have in Jesus Christ. What an awesome privilege that is. So when we gather together, when we sing together It's not just about me and Jesus, right? Singing is a time to adore the Lord. And it's also a time to love and to build each other up, to edify each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's also a time to witness to those around us who don't know Jesus and who need to taste and see that the Lord is good. And when we get this, church, it will absolutely transform the way that we worship because it's not all about me it's not all about me it's not just what i like or what i find enjoyable it doesn't matter if the style of music is my favorite or not it doesn't it doesn't matter if they play my favorite songs or not it doesn't matter if my favorite singer is the one leading The songs, what matters is that I have the amazing privilege of honoring Christ and praising Him and building up my brothers and sisters and witnessing to those who are lost and who are living without hope. And that's why we sing together. And I don't know about you, that kind of makes me want to sing some more. Um, And we're going to do that in just a few minutes. But before we do that, um, I want uh, to have a time for you guys to hear some personal uh, testimony um, about what we've been talking about. I'm going to ask my friend Caleb Daniel if he would come on up here. Um, and I've asked Caleb if he would just share um, some, some testimony about how this theology of singing together as the body of Christ has affected his life, has enriched him, um, and has affected the way um, that he views God and he views the church. Um, And so if you guys would welcome Caleb, he's going to share with us for just a few minutes. Hey, y'all. First, uh, before I say anything else, I do want to say this. I am so thankful that we get to have a service like this at our church. Sometimes the things that we most take for granted are actually the things that need the most opening up. And singing together is perhaps the thing that we take for granted, take the most for granted in the structure of our church service. And I found myself over the years being especially blind to its significance. It's really easy 
to think of a Sunday morning as nothing more than a pep rally prepping us for the week ahead. And the songs we sing have been, at certain points in my life, just some nice motivational music to kick us off and get us moving in the right, most spiritual direction. And I'm, I'm not saying that they don't do that. I think that is a large part of um, what we sing. But if it's just that, it's not enough. It wasn't until recently that I saw the songs we sing together for what I think they truly are, tools and gifts that the Holy Spirit uses to breathe a gospel sound and form our hearts and minds. I grew up in a church that loved music, and I find that the songs we sing together there are still those that I most often sing when I find myself in places of spontaneous worship. They weren't contemporary. They weren't cool. In fact, when we tried to do cool or contemporary, we failed miserably. But boy, howdy, we sang our hearts out to those songs. The kids did interpretive dances to those songs. The youth did human videos to those songs. And if you don't know what a human video is, please see me after service because I'd love to tell you. We had Fifth Sunday singing potlucks where we sang those songs and listened to other people sing those songs as special music. And we loved music so much, too much, that we had our own fallout. We even came to our own internal worship war. We fought each other on song choice and whether or not we needed a drum set on stage, and whether or not we might be singing our songs just a tad too fast, which may or may not have to do with whether or not there was a drum set on stage. A worship war is the product of a lot of complicated, probably unavoidable things. Preference in musical style, changes in church leadership, intergenerational strife, the list can go on. But what I think it most is, is actually a misunderstanding of what music does for the capital C church now and what it has done for the church for the past two millennia. But there I was, totally guilty of playing into this misunderstanding. I thought that the music we sang had to represent me as an individual, perfectly tuned to my own individual stylistic preferences for me to truly be able to worship, which, if I'm being honest, based on what I was listening to at that point in my life, would have made for the most truly terrible, unforgivably bad music to ever come from the green carpet of that church's stage. I remember being upset that the church organist was upset that we took her organ from the stage because some of us were upset that the music didn't sound the way we thought it should sound and that the instruments on stage weren't the instruments we wanted to see on stage. Totally blind the entire time to my own installation of music to an organ warbleless throne of idolatry. And I know idolatry is a strong word, but looking back on it, I can't call it anything else. I was convinced that the perfect music would usher in the perfect Holy Spirit moment, would usher in the perfect salvation moment, would usher in a church revival, would usher in a nationwide revival, would usher in a move of the kingdom of God unlike anything the world had ever seen before, a second Pentecost, all the time forgetting that I, as a musician on the stage that I had made crooked and upside down, was only a vessel. The music, the music was only a vessel. That the Holy Spirit didn't like the key of G over the key of E flat, though I know for a fact that the musicians do. 
that it didn't matter if someone hit a wrong chord, that I didn't have to scowl at that musician when that wrong chord would sneak in there, but that I could laugh a joyful laugh, knowing that all things are held firmly in the hand of our Father, and that he doesn't cringe when that singer is a little flat, but smiles and dances in the face of her efforts. I'm convinced and am becoming more convinced that God gives us music because he knows how much it affects us, how much it moves us to affection toward what we're singing about, how it makes us submit to one another as we sing with one another. It takes a lot to sing out when you know you're being heard by that brother or sister to your right or left, but it wouldn't be love to stifle that voice. Love is you belting out at the top of your lungs as you're declaring your affections for Jesus in unison with that brother and sister. They need to hear it. This isn't a war. We're on the same team. Please stand. We're going to sing together.
what a joy to get to honor the Lord and, and join together as brothers and sisters. It really is a beautiful thing. And um, we're going to close the service this morning, as we always do, by celebrating the Lord's Supper together, by coming to His table together as the body. And, and, and really, we're, we're doing the exact things that we just talked about. As, as we come to the table, we are both honoring and glorifying Jesus. And we're coming together to encourage and affirm the gospel to each other. And we're coming as a witness to those who don't know the Lord and don't have hope that here in Christ there is life and there is joy and there is hope. So I'm going to ask my communion um, helpers if they would come up and let me read these familiar scriptures to you out of 1 Corinthians 11 and then we will partake together. Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, thank you for Jesus. For sending your one and only son to become a man and to bear the wrath that should have been directed at us. Thank you, Jesus, for your broken body and your poured out blood whereby we are made whole and made new and our sins are cleansed and washed away. Father, thank you that because of the work of your Son, you have removed our sins from us as as far as the east is from the west. You've cast them away and you remember them no more. And we can come into the presence of the King this morning with great joy, with rejoicing and thanksgiving because of what you have accomplished for us, Jesus. And so we come now with grateful hearts. We're so thankful. And we're so thankful that we can come together as the body of Christ and celebrate together and remind each other together of how great our God is. And so we thank you, Lord. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can go ahead and come.
Amen. Um, what a privilege and a joy to get to worship with the body of Christ this morning. We're glad you guys were here. Um, and uh, if you're a guest, a visitor this morning, we're grateful and thankful to have you. 